In Session with Dr. Farid Hulakwi. Good evening. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Dalakwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in 310-441-0555. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Let's get to the books of the week. The book for this week is Who Gets Believed by Dina Nayeri, Who Gets Believed When the Truth Isn't Enough. Uh, Dina Nayeri is a writer of both fiction and nonfiction. This book is her latest, and I read a little bit about it. Seems very interesting, so looking forward to reading it and sharing it with you next week. Who Gets Believed by Dina Nayeri. The book of the week from last week that I'll talk about tonight is... Real Self-Care by Pooja Lakshman. Real Self-Care, a transformative program for redefining wellness. And uh, I ordered this book, as I often do, looking online. And I, I read it very briefly, the description, and it sounded interesting. And I find the topic of self-care an important one. And also, it seemed like she had a different perspective of it, which she definitely does. Uh, the book is written primarily to women or describes the experience experience of women when it comes to self-care. And I didn't get that point when I was reading the description. However, one, just to hear her talk about the experience of women and how they might have some particular challenges or uh, pressures and stresses that are put on them by society when it comes to self-care, taking care of themselves or being able to have the space have the the space and resources to do so um that that's going to be informative for me of course while also i thought much of what she recommended would be applicable to anyone and so i learned a lot from it as well of uh, tips and tools and mindsets that can be helpful when it comes to self-care taking care of ourselves things of that sort so it it was a, a a good book in that sense of it gives you some information, it gives you some tips, some mindsets, but really we can start with this uh, real self-care and what she means by that. Um, and, you know, I think of self-care, as she describes in, in this way to a degree, as this thing we sometimes think of as separate from our existence, like another thing. It reminds me of when people say work-life balance, and they sometimes say it in this way almost like it's a thing and then you know you figure out work-life balance and then there's like you live or something like that where it's like your whole life includes this balance of of work and life or work is a part of your life it shouldn't be like work is something and how do you have life fit in there you, you have a life and work is part of what you do and so in some ways i feel a, a similarity to the way that so much people think of self-care like oh, okay i live life and then if i do this you know, yoga one hour a week, or I get a facial once a month, that's self-care, and then good, life is good. Um, rather than realizing, you know, rather than self-care, may, maybe care of self is better. How do we take care of ourselves overall? And it's not going to be just adding something. That can be helpful, or that doesn't mean it's not beneficial. 
But when we're suffering, struggling, overwhelmed, dealing with so much stress, one, it could feel like adding another thing to do or an activity or, uh, you know, whatever, a treatment, whatever it might be, we don't have the time for it. And two, if we are really dealing with a lot of stress and overwhelm, it's not going to change that. The problem is that system of our life uh, rather than adding something to it. And not only about the system of our life as individuals, uh, in the book, Dr. Lakshman talks um, a lot about the systems of society and how they particularly do oppress women and also um, other marginalized groups like women of color, uh, non-binary or um, non-cisgendered uh, individuals, um, individuals from other types of minorities, ableists or people who are not um, who are disabled. There's many ways that we see groups that are marginalized even further or put more pressure on them. And related to that, the, the society pressures on women, she shares how there's often so much more pressure that's put on women in an almost invisible way, invisible that it's almost just accepted, um, that we sometimes don't think about. For example, taking care of people, caretaking or reproductive care. All of these uh, things tend to be assumed to be a woman's role or responsibility, and she's supposed to handle that and everything else and be able to do them all very well or else somehow she's failing. Uh, I've had clients and or worked with families where uh, whether a family member gets ill or the parents get older, there is this assumption that the females are going to be the caretakers, that they are the ones that... Of course, they have to step in um, and do it. And then it's also assumed they will just do it gracefully and happily and won't need any extra support. They'll do everything else they did, and now they'll just do this. And it's just assumed to be that way. So she does describe early in the book and throughout these systems of oppression, systems of pressure that we also have to look at. And and she addresses those uh, throughout the book on how essentially taking care of ourselves, taking that power, can also impact systems of power higher up or in society. And again, the the focus is written to women, but I think there's a message that is relevant and can resonate for everyone of different ways that you might um, relate to that. So to begin with this, or now we're already in the middle, to talk about the title of the book, Real Self-Care. So she's she says real self-care as opposed to faux self-care. Faux is an F-A-U-X, like fake self-care. And so, as I mentioned, it doesn't mean that um, going to yoga, getting a massage, those things would be bad things, but she is advocating for a different type of mindset, essentially, when it comes to self-care. So, as she discusses, it's like, the way self-care is usually described is like this thing outside of you. You buy this product or you take this vitamin water or you go to this class or this workout and it's going to make you good. So she does talk about some of these distinctions that self faux self-care, the, the one she thinks is more common but not helpful, is prescribed from the outside, whereas real self-care originates from you, from within you. Uh, faux self-care is a noun typically describing an activity or product, whereas real self-care is a verb describing an invisible internal decision-making process. Um, so 
we could see that it's something that you are being rather than something you are just doing. And so she even adds that people can feel this guilt because they feel like it's another thing on their plate. Oh, I'm doing self-care poorly. I'm not measuring up in that way. I'm doing a bad job at self-care. So her real self-care, it's not less about do these things or these tricks and you're going to be okay, uh, but it's much more about changing your mindset and your approach about how you take care of yourself in bigger ways, not just something uh, you add to your life in some way, but a different mindset. And so she even says how when we do the faux self-care, it's a way of also avoiding our emotional burdens or the things that we're dealing with. Whereas when you do the real self-care, it might be an emotional cost at the beginning, but in the long term, you get emotional gains. And so I, I did appreciate that um, that mindset or that argument of looking at what people tend to do. They think, okay, if I get this you know, bubble bath, I'm going to be fine. Or if I do this thing, I'm going to be okay. And then when we don't feel okay, when we do that, we can blame ourselves that, okay, I'm doing the self-care and I still don't feel good. Something must be really wrong with me rather than realizing that the way our life is going, it's so, uh, we're so overwhelmed, stressed, going through so many things, overburdened that we're not going to feel better by doing something one hour a week or even a day that just uh, is going to fix all of that. Um, so she shares what she call, describes as the four uh, different principles of real self-care. So again, it's not for actions. It's more about these types of mindsets or principles. So the first principle is real self-care requires boundaries and moving past guilt. And she shares that these four principles they build upon each other. So the first one would be more foundational. She does also share that it's not like you just accomplish one and go to the next one. You you have to go, you will go back and forth and it's not just this linear thing. Not only that, I'll add, um, I sometimes think of things like this. It's like you're balancing on a, a tightrope. So it's not like you just achieved self-care. It's something you have to keep on doing and rechecking in with yourself and, and rebalancing yourself. So you're not just done with it. It's a, a constant... Um, part of your life or your mindset. So real self-care requires boundaries and moving past guilt. So this is a big one because when we are living our lives and we're talking about taking care of ourselves, a big aspect is the boundaries we have between us and other people, what they expect of us, um, how they treat us. And this can be really huge because the boundaries we set, it's not just about boundaries like in a relationship that don't say this, this kind of a thing. It also is the expectations that what we do for other people? And can we prioritize our own needs and desires? And she shares that women often are expected not to do that, that they're supposed to prioritize uh, other people's feelings, wants, needs, and put their own feelings, wants, and needs away for them. And if they don't, they can be looked at as not doing their, playing their role. But she's saying we have to take that back. So women need to take that back. Again, I think you might not be a woman and relate to some of these things, but she's saying primarily she's seen this within women. So there's specific things that she thinks are challenges they face more commonly. Um, real self, this is the second principle, real self-care means treating yourself with compassion. So she, she talks about how a lot of times women will beat themselves up for, again, not measuring up. Well, I'm, you know, I should be able to take care of my kids and work and, and do this thing and that thing and be creative on the side and do exercise and all these things. And, and they can feel really guilty. Or if they're setting boundaries, feel guilty about that. Um, 
that I shouldn't do this or if I'm taking some time away from my kids, does that make me a bad mother? You know, these kinds of feelings and mindsets, of course, will get in the way of taking care of yourself. So we have to treat ourselves with compassion, meaning that we have to um, give ourselves that space to have needs, to have wants. And she even talks about something uh, called the, the martyr mode, where we're in this martyr mindset. And this is, I think, you do see more common with women that there's this suffering and the, the suffering somehow makes you good or it should be um, difficult and feel like suffering for you to do what you have to do and that really we're not serving anyone when we are are the martyrs. So you have to have this uh, a compassion for yourself. The third one, real self-care brings you closer to yourself. That's the third principle. And so if we're looking at how we have to take care of ourselves, this goes back to the the balancing act or the, the tightrope, we have to keep checking in with ourselves to see how we're doing what we need. We can't just say, okay, this is what I do every week and it makes me good. Sometimes you might need something else. So that's one part. But also here she's talking about how genuine um, self-care, real self-care, involves getting close and aligned with our values, that when we're misaligned with our values and our core beliefs, we will feel bad and we won't be taking care of ourselves. So in this section, uh, chapter of the book, she shares about how to, to try to identify your boundaries, actually, uh, sorry, identify your uh, values. It was an interesting exercise she had that I'll share, which was imagine you're planning your birthday party and you only have $200 to plan the whole birthday party. What would you do? And you know, what kind of a how would you who would you invite what would the experience would be and so uh, I think it was a for me it was a good exercise because we see when you have this limited resources or you feel like you don't have a lot to work with it makes you realize what really matters what do you want to focus on and prioritize but in this chapter she shares about how you can find your values to understand it you can live a life aligned with your values and she um, helps you create this compass that then helps you keep yourself uh, aligned with the the what, how, and the why. So she calls it the real self-care compass. So um, she says actually kind of we have it opposite or backwards. Sometimes we focus on the goals, and that's the important thing. But really she thinks it's more important, important to have your kind of like manifesto or who you are. So the what is like what you want to do. So one of her goals was writing this book, so to write a book. The how is how you want to show up or how would you be doing that so she puts with boldness with compassion and authenticity um, for herself and for the readers and then the why is because what feeds me is connection meaningful conversation and understanding internal worlds so that's a, the deeper value driven part of it and so she emphasizes that the importance to know your values and then to try to live your values and live through them and then the fourth principle of real self-care is that it's an assertion of power. So here it goes back to this um, concept of how women are often not given that ability as far as resources, space, um, support to take care of themselves or be taken care of. And so when anyone, but in this case she's talking about when women take on their own needs as important it's an assertion of power and then she shares that this can have ripple effects of people um, systems changing when everyone takes 
their power or recognizes their needs and wants are important. She shares a story of one of her patients who needed more help when it came to child care, but her husband uh, worked in the, a startup, and, and even in general, she had a hard time asking for help or support, thinking it all had to be taken care of by herself. And so she finally did ask her husband, saying, I do need more support. And he asked for paternity leave or what they could do at his startup. And then the startup actually changed their policy to give paternity leave or to give more uh, parental leave to help recruit and re uh, retain talent. So it led to this more systemic change in that company, at least in the culture of that company. So she's sharing how when people in, in, in this book again is directed towards women take their power back in that way of taking care of themselves, it can have larger ripple effects to affect society at large. And so, as I said, the, the book to me was quite interesting in um, explaining self-care in a way that I, I connected with more. There was many things she shared in this book that I really was resonating with and thinking that's how I think about this or that's how I have thought or she explained it in ways that I hadn't thought about but I could definitely relate to or felt explain this concept of self-care that we sometimes think of if we do these few things we're going to be okay but really it's about as I said rather than self-care to me it's about caring of self taking care of yourself which is a much deeper thing that means making sure you're okay overall not just thinking you can live a life that's out of balance and adding one more thing to it will make you balanced somehow. It'll sometimes maybe make you feel more imbalanced. So again, that was Real Self-Care by Pooja Lakshman. Let's go to a commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. We can... Okay, it sounds coming in a little bit faint. Let's see if we can... Let me see. Okay, I guess... Uh, yeah, it's a little bit better now, I think, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's uh, about my son. Actually, it's not... Uh, I'm, <laughs> I have to explain you uh, the situation. Okay. Uh, uh, three years ago, three, four years ago, my son asked me to open up an Instagram account for her. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, uh, I, told her, uh, I told him that I have to... Uh, check once in a while your account and your messages. I said it's fine, and I opened up uh, the account. And so, uh, I guess over time he just forgot that I I have access to his account. And I once in a while I uh, took a look uh, just just to check what's going on there. And uh, I guess over time he doesn't even uh, notice that. I check some because I never brought anything, anything that I uh, about uh, his chat. And I just like uh, every like two three months I I, I just checked uh, just to see what's going on. And then uh, I have to uh, explain to you that we have some family friends. Uh, our kids grew up all together and they're almost same age, and they're very close like cousins. One of uh, the girls, like my friend's daughter, she's 13. And she, uh, like, trusts my son, like a, like a cousin, like a brother. They share lots of secrets. And uh, you, When you say share know, lots of secrets, you're saying in these messages you read that or you knew? Yes, yes. They chat okay. and they write okay. messages for each other. 
And they talk about school and stuff like that, and they share a lot of uh, secrets in that uh, conversations. Okay. Like that's uh, like a big secret. That's a secret for teenagers. I mean, and um, I uh, in those chats, I understood that uh, this girl is a party girl. Uh, she goes to a lot of like parties uh, during weekend. Uh, with her friends, same age, like school friends or neighbors. And she told my son that uh, she drinks and she gets high. And uh, once I noticed this, but I didn't, uh, I wasn't concerned because I sort of know that in this age, maybe they somehow try something. But uh, what brought me, uh, like, made me more concerned was that the second time that I saw this sort of conversation, she was talking about, like, she asked my son, have you ever got drunk? And my son said no. And she said, oh, you don't know how cool it is. It gives you courage to do stuff that mm-hmm. you, you don't dare to do in normal situation. It's very good. Getting high. Uh, it's not good for the first time, but for the second time, better. But I love to get drunk because I feel so good. And this sort of thing that my my son, uh, you know, th- these kids don't uh, want to be like teachers for each other. So he didn't say, oh, no, it's not good. But uh, he just said, "Oh yeah, maybe." Well, let me let me stop you. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop because and plus I probably won't get to we won't get to all of their conversation. So going back, I I did wanna I almost stopped you earlier because of what happened here with the you know the messages and reading his messages. So when he wanted to open this account, I'm guessing you're saying he was like 12 or 13, and I I think that can be well first the the question of should they even have an account. I, I generally think later is better because I know they will always say everyone has one. I'm the only one who doesn't have one. I want to be able to talk to my friends. Like they'll, they'll give you those reasons, but I, I don't think social media, well, it's not even good for adults to have it a lot. You know, even a little bit of it could be bad, but I think we have to be careful with kids. Now, what you did, if you they do have an account, I do think letting them know about checking the messages it can make sense because we know that they're now exposed to a world and we don't know who can reach out to them and contact them. Um, I would generally think of it more like a collaborative thing or something. Now, the thing is, of course, kids can erase messages, do something if they think you're you're looking anyway. Um, but I can understand the concern when you have a young child that you're when we put them online, yes, they might be in their room, but they're exposed to the world in a way, and anyone could come in to their world. And I've heard stories, it's not to make parents get paranoid, but there's a reality of adults will sometimes reach out to children online, or you know, and, and obviously it's the, the wrong people. You don't want them to, to contact your kids. So it could be, um, I think, very acceptable and a good idea to monitor who they interact with. Now, two things. One is, Okay, once you see it's their friend from school, you don't need to go read the messages. That's not the intention of uh, why I would say it's a good idea. The intention is, I want to just make sure you're not communicating or no one's trying to communicate with you that it's not appropriate or not a good idea. Not, 
I want to see what you and your friend thought about your teacher today or, you know, talked about school. And so you're in this situation. You said maybe he forgot. And I get it that you're you technically haven't lied or you technically haven't like uh, done something to snoop on him intentionally or out of the agreement. But I think what you're doing, I think, is not a good idea to be going through and reading all of his messages is is not good and it's not fair to him either to it's a violation of his privacy so again if it's i want to make sure you're not talking to someone you know some 40 year old man is not messaging you or some you know 60 year old or someone's trying to scam you in some way that i can get you just are checking but reading his messages um and, and it's you know we'll get to what's going on but now it creates these I mean, it could create these situations first of all i think it's not right but then you know something you shouldn't know and how do you deal with that information but so that part I, I'm, uh, you know, a little concerned about because it's it's going to, I don't know how you're going to undo that part or what you can do about it. But Exactly. And I know every parent, it's an understandable feeling to be like, I want to know what's going on in my kid's life. I wish I knew. I'm worried about them. But there has to be a level of accepting. I have to give them that a, a certain amount of space for them to be their own person because now you're yeah you're just reading their conversations that it's not about safety anymore now this part maybe you think they're talking about drugs and alcohol but if you're getting to this point that means you're just curious to see what they talk about and and to me that's crossing a line correct yeah but uh, now we're, the line has been crossed so we're trying to figure out what to do now exactly. but i just wanted to give that point because you know this question is a very common one of well, my kid wants an Instagram or a TikTok or this or that. What do I do? And depending on their age, I think monitoring it does make sense because we, there is, again, we're exposing them to the virtual world, which could be anyone. But nonetheless, let's come back to what happened. So there was this back and forth. She's bringing up that, you know, I have exactly. a drink. I've, and yeah, my okay. concern is that my son, because my son is almost like he's 16, he turns uh, 17 very soon. And my concern is my friend's daughter. For two reasons. First of all, uh, she's so young for doing this stuff. Yeah. And second, she has, like, uh, her father was an addict. Mm -hmm. And he died of overdose. Mm -hmm. So, like, he was addicted to alcohol, and then he ended up to uh, drugs, and then he died. So um, she has the genes. So now, uh, as you said, I read what I wasn't supposed to read, mm-hmm. but now I have a uh, I have a piece of information that I don't know. Uh, should I sort of uh, bring it up for my friend to watch her daughter more, or shouldn't say anything, or mm. just uh, I don't know. That that's my question. Yeah, that's that would be my question too because I can't say I have a uh, an answer for you that I, I I'm thinking about it really and I want to talk to you more because I I don't see it so black and white and I guess I'd want to know more about how uh, what is the behavior she's describing and I think did you say she's thirteen? Yes. Uh, yeah, she turns fourteen very soon. Okay. Like in a few days. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the, and these conversations are so many things to it because maybe she's doing all the things she said exactly. She could be doing even more. She could be exaggerating it or, you know, trying to 
sound cool or sound older. And I obviously, we don't know and you don't know, but you now are, it's like two parts of it are hard. One is that you, the way you got the information is a little bit tricky. Uh, and then, you know, could Im- involve talking to your son, which I think you might have to do. And I think you have to really um, end, somehow end this, you know, I know you probably don't want to because you get to see what's going on in his life, but I don't think that's fair to him. And it's, it, you know, does violate his privacy. Um, but you also have this information and you don't know how critical is it to share with your, your friend. So going back to yes. that. Yeah, yeah go because ahead. I, honestly, uh, uh, I did this like once in one, two months, and I was not completely not. Maybe I saw something even inappropriate, but I didn't react at all, uh, you know, because as you said, I didn't want to take advantage of... Well, but but I'll stop you there. Reading it is taking advantage. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, but I when understand. you say, what, what was it that, I mean, you don't have to get into the details of it. You, you found something that was a little bit surprising or shocking before? Uh, uh, yeah, of course. Uh, uh, for, for my son, no. No, Okay. not really. Okay, so, yeah, it, maybe you could tell me a bit more. So you're saying, so she said, you know, getting high, the first time is not good, the, the second time is better, but I like getting drunk. Exactly. She, uh, her feeling about getting drunk was so good. Like, she loved it. And she wanted to repeat it. Hmm. And I don't know. Did she? It's yeah. It's hard to know how, what she's exactly getting into. So I, I could see how you feel um, torn. And at this point, has anything happened? At this point, have you talked to your son or the mom, or not talked to anyone yet? No, no, no. Okay. I didn't talk to anyone. Okay. So look, we have a little bit more time in the next segment, and I'd like to continue the conversation. So let's go to a commercial break. After the break, we can okay, talk a bit sure. more and, and see what we can come up with. All right. Okay, sure. All right, let's go to a commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we're with a caller. Let's go back to them now. Hello? Hello. Is the caller there? I don't know. Hello. Oh, yes. sorry. Yeah. I hear you. Yes. Okay. So uh, before the break, you shared the the situation you currently find yourself in. Your 16 year old son, um, and he's been messaging with this 13 year old family friend, and some things have come up in those messages. Her sharing that she has used alcohol, drugs, and you are trying to figure out what to do now that you know this information that concerns you, but you learned of it also in a way that um, you don't feel so good about. Let me ask you this. If you didn't find out this way, if you found out in a way that was totally, you felt okay about, what would you do? Um, I would definitely talk to my friend. Okay. And so I think that if that's how you feel, I think I would encourage you to find a way to do that. And I also think it might be a good time to talk to your son about this um, situation that you, you know, that you had this access. That's going to be a tough conversation because he could feel betrayed in some way and be upset. But if you're telling me the only thing stopping you from sharing the information is that you don't feel good about how you got it, um, 
then that tells yeah. me you're worried about this girl. As I said, when you said 13 does feel young, and I don't know, again, we don't know, is she exaggerating? Is she, what is it that she actually has from, done? Uh, you know, from what I know from her, as I said, they grew up together, so mm-hmm. I know them very well. So I know she doesn't exaggerate. Okay. That's just the situation, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So as I said, that to me, that's the that would make me feel that it, it would make sense to share if you think that that information, yeah, if, if she's getting drunk and using drugs at 13, and maybe the mom already knows or has some idea, maybe she doesn't. How, no, how close are no, you with I'm the mom? I'm 100% sure because it happened like um, very recent that we were in a party that uh, like uh, people were joking about, let's, uh, let's uh, the teenagers drink a bit and my friends said no 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 it's not uh, appropriate for them just even ta- uh, even just taste alcohol it's not good it would be i heard it and uh, i know because of uh, you know uh, her experience with uh, her ex-husband mm-hmm. uh, he wouldn't be she wouldn't be happy to hear like her daughter but the thing is that uh, she goes to a very elite Mm-hmm. Uh, with very like uh, good students, so maybe my friend she thinks that uh, hanging out with those kids doesn't have any uh, danger for her. That's why she doesn't, you know, she has trust and uh, she doesn't want to, you know, mm-hmm. she she's not concerned about her friend because she she thinks they go to a very good school and they're good kids yeah I've, I've heard um before people say well i want to send my kids to private school so they won't get into drugs and exactly. and things and i always let them know they just have more expensive drugs at the you know at, at a school or they'll have the you know the drugs are in every school or there's kids doing them so it's not something that you're just going to avoid by taking them to a certain school um but yeah i so you think that she your friend is oblivious or feels like it's not even a, something to worry about for her, a concern exactly. at this time. Okay. And so it seems like you feel pretty good about that, that you want to tell the mom. Uh, I was thinking that maybe I just give her a hint hmm. that I overheard something between kids when because sometimes they sleep over in our house. So I just overheard uh, some... Uh, something that they talked about so just uh, take a look at her friends a bit now or my guess would be this friend of yours would not just say okay she would say what did yeah. you hear what yeah, tell me what she, they said she right. doesn't take it just seriously yeah i mean and i don't even know who she is but i would get, think most parents they'd be like, okay well what did you hear if you're you know you're saying you must have heard something yeah. specific enough to say tell her you know watch out who her friends are so more than likely she'll ask you okay well what did you hear so uh, i get it you want to keep it and just give her the hint and again if you heard it in a way that was totally okay if you were just there and they she said it out loud and you were in the room or you know didn't she didn't know you were in the room and you walked in would you tell your friend more directly yes Okay, so, and, you know, I will say this and, and we'll see, I, I want to make sure or try to have enough time because I also think there's a conversation about you and your son that we also have to 
I would uh, recommend too. But um, yeah. So again, the way you're sharing it, I, I can get it that the information you got it in a way that you ha- you don't feel so great about or brings up some complicated things between your son and how you found it out. Um, but if you feel like you want her to know, um, I think it's important that you share it in a way where you make that message clear. And again, likely I, I can can't imagine she'll won't say what do you mean and and really will that accomplish anything she goes, no their families are good or you know i know they're all from good families or something like that so if you're well let me ask you this what's your intention what would you like uh for your action uh, to do uh um it's just uh get the information to my friend to watch out a bit more because she's so young and maybe mm-hmm. she can just uh, you know I don't know uh, because I know if she grows up it's like harder to stop her but now she has the control at least I don't know maybe mm, limit her to spend a lot of time because I know Friday afternoon she's with her friends to until Sunday night, mm-hmm. and uh, like you mean my like she spends she spends the night at their house. Saudi, yeah, you know. You mean she spends the the like both nights there, like from Friday to Sunday. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and, and again, they switch houses. They go to one mm-hmm. house and then like tomorrow night another house. Like mm-hmm. they're a group of friends. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you know, there's not like you need to do much or investigate more about her friends or what's going on there. But yeah, if you're saying you want her to know, I can I can understand that that that's uh, something you feel like she she should know. And even I don't know how you're gonna you know she says how did you hear? Either you're saying you're going to say something about this sleepover, but again, then she's probably going to press you. So. Uh, it's tough to, to say, should you just tell her the truth or not? But I don't know how you're going to, you're just going to say at the sleepover, I heard your daughter say she's gone drunk before. Honestly, I was thinking that the, the doesn't give her any, uh, any kind of details uh, to say, I can't say any details. Just, just, I ask you to uh, just watch her for a while to see, because I know if she notices, she can find out a few things. Okay. But well, let, now, let me let me ask you this. Not concerned. She yeah. Doesn't get it. Well, let me ask you. If it was the other way around, someone said, "I can't tell you much, but I want you to be concerned about some of your son's friends." What would you do? Uh, because me and my friends are very close, and she trusts me. Right. So if in in uh, vice versa situation, I would trust her. I wouldn't ask more because hmm. I okay. know her and I know she doesn't say something just, you know, random. Right. But you wouldn't ask her, like, what did you find out? I would. But if she said, I can't tell you, okay. I wouldn't insist. Okay. So, uh, you know, I could, I, I think it seems like, you know, and I... As I said, when you asked it, I I didn't feel so clear. Maybe to some people, it's a very clear thing. I I didn't feel like it was so easy to know how you should handle it. Um, but I think you, on that side of it, you feel pretty good. I mean, I think it's going to be a difficult conversation. You'll 
likely feel uncomfortable or uneasy because one, how you got the information and two, just having that kind of conversation with the friend about their child is usually not easy. Um, and so, yeah, I'm sure you'll be ready for that to probably be uncomfortable, although you're saying you're so close. Is she one of your better friends, one of your closer friends? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you know your dynamic with her, obviously. I don't know that, and so you know how a conversation with her would go. And if that's the case, um, I, I think you, you seems like you feel pretty good about that. As As I mentioned, I do also think it's worth looking at with your son or how you want to handle this situation. I work with a lot of parents of teens, and I know they're always curious and just wish they knew more about what are their kids up to. So I could assume that you've felt pretty good, or not good, but you've liked having this access to his inner life a bit more. Um, But as I said, I think that would be unfair to him and does invade his privacy. So I I wonder, what, what are your thoughts on that? I, I I agree with you. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I understand it's not fair, and I uh, I may just stop it because now I'm in a situation that I really don't know uh, what to do and how I handle it. Maybe uh, now I feel a responsibility that is not mine. So yeah, you're right that that happened, and even after that, I felt it's not okay. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, for the future, uh, uh, I'm not gonna do it. Like I'm, I'm not gonna do it anymore. Even uh, I, I don't want to tell my son that I have the access. I just, uh, you know, delete that account and I just uh, uh, don't get to into his account. But uh, yeah. Well, let me ask you this: Are you still concerned about? who he might contact or anything like that? Uh, honestly, no. Okay. Uh, because I think he's, you know, uh, not that I'm not concerned, but I think uh, in this age, uh, I cannot control him. So, uh, yeah. and I guess <laughs> I gave enough <laughs> to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, to protect him uh, from now on he's almost 17 and uh, you know no I'm not really concerned he's a um, he has good manners and uh, what I Hmm. saw as you know is in a good school and uh, you know well he's in a good path yeah and and right and and yeah my thought based on how you're describing the situation i was just asking just so we see that okay so the intention for you being able to see his messages is no longer there or the the reason for it is no longer there and so you know you seeing his messages has no that value it's just more of it's something where you get to see what's going on in his life which is an understandable want but i don't think one that we we should be doing and you know, there's other ways. I, I'm always more about being direct and clear, but you can also just bring up with him, oh, you know, like you can change the password on your account or you can, you know, we, we, I no okay, longer want yeah, to be able to access it or something. But, uh, you know? Dr. Frank, yeah. the, I, to be very honest with you, uh, the thing that encourages me to do it because I always got surprised in a very good way. <laughs> I always uh, got surprised 
by uh, my son's reaction in this situation, <laughs> like in uh, this exact situation, when uh, uh, he didn't right. want to say something that like no. I'm uh, your mentor, so I I I I know better. But in a way, he directed her to like uh, she said, uh, "It's good to get high. You yeah. get high." My son said, "No, you know what? I don't want to end well, up that's... with uh, like Jesse Pinkman in Breaking Bad." You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, and, you, and know, you know, I just have twice. to. Uh, yeah, we almost are out of time, so I'm, I, I'm trying to. I'll try to be concise and yes. we'll wrap things up. But I get it. It's it's. Uh, you're, I mean, that's nice that you're actually. It's not that you're seeing things that make you scared or worried. You're being impressed and you're proud of him. Exactly. But you. But you know, he's that. You know, you don't need these yes. I- internal yes. you're right. messages. You're absolutely so right. I get the. You know, and so it's maybe you're just like so used to it now, and it's just part of how things are. But yeah, I think to respect him, and it seems like you really do respect him as a person and who he is and you trust him and this is a way of showing that trust you know is to give him that space to be his own person and to have that and I'm sure he'll show you how great he is in a bunch of other ways that um, you know he's sharing with you and you'll get to see that you won't have to see the behind the scenes And, and I think it actually as much as yeah you're seeing things you like it it'll likely have a negative effect on your relationship with him because even, you know, you're kind of carrying a secret with him and secrets always get in the way of our closeness because there's something you can't be honest and open with him about, you know, um, or, or things you'll find, even something good like, oh, you know, he was so nice to his friend so-and-so and now he talks about that friend and you have a smile on your face because you know he was so kind to him. It's it's nice in a way, but you're also, you know, again, there's that betrayal of the, the trust and so although you might feel closer to him by reading his messages in your relationship with him, I think it'll make you more distant. So I would encourage any kind of way of ending that and possibly communicating that to him sure. to, to move on from that. We do have to Thank wrap up. Thank much. you for your call. Uh, yeah. Best of luck to you. Have a good night. All right, that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Big thank you to Ghazaleh here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dolakwi, Zan Zendegi, Azadi. Thank you.